Welcome to Solo Cleaning School. Are you ready to reshape your mindset and grow your solo cleaning business? Step into today's class with your guide, Ken Carfagno, so you can win for your family. Welcome back to Solo Cleaning School. Let's get back to some funny papers. This one is called Tornado. Have you ever experienced a tornado? Well, several years ago, a tornado touched down about five miles from a house I was cleaning. Now, I am not a Midwesterner with experience in how to survive a tornado. I was, however, a New Yorker at the time, which means I'm tough. New Yorkers out there know what I mean. The NOAA warnings were coming in all over the place. Beep, beep. You know all those emergency signals on your phone, on the appliances, everything. It's like it's coming out of the walls. And here's what you heard. Tornado coming. Tornado coming. Here comes the Wicked Witch. Here comes a house about to fall on you. Well, it didn't quite say that. But I'm like, uh, the sky is starting to get dark. The wind is howling. The rain is picking up. And I'm starting to hear like little sounds of kind of chink, 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 little hail hitting the sides. Now, I was in a humongous house at the time, an 8,000 square foot log cabin. This house was the bomb. To this day, probably the coolest house I've ever cleaned. Up on top of a mountain, a beautiful view. It had a wing, an east and a west wing. In the east wing was an indoor pool, a 2,000 square foot indoor pool, with a great balcony at the back, a jacuzzi, and, and it took up two two floors. And then in the center, there's like the big great room with a massive fireplace, going all, hearth going all the way to the ceiling, logs all through there, big kitchen, like five, six bedrooms, many bathrooms, a full, full-size full basement, three or four bay garage, beautiful place. And so I'm in this giant log cabin. And here's what I'm thinking. Do I stop, drop, and roll or something like that? But then I remembered. Hmm, I'm a Royal Ranger, and I just helped my kindergartner with a merit in emergency preparedness, and I knew my answer. I had to find the lowest place in the house with the strongest support around me. Well, I knew I was in a really big, strong house, heavy lumber, even stone where the pool is, lots of stone. All the doors were big, heavy oak. So here's what I did. I ran around the house because I started to freak out a little bit because the Noah warnings were beefing. And I grabbed pillows and blankets, whatever I could find off of couches. And I was running around the first floor looking for a really solid place to camp out. And then I went to the basement because nothing really kind of settled with me. So I went to the basement. And there wasn't a lot in the basement because it the basement opens out to the back ground level the way the the way the house and the ground is sloped in the front so the ground meets at the first level from the front door and it meets at the basement level from the back door so I'm like well it's not really basement anymore I need something that's more solid so I walked through the basement and there's a solid door that goes into the pool area and I find this really well encased stone stairwell and I'm like there's no way anything shaking this stone it is mortared in there 
and that stone is not moving, and the door into it was like a 200-pound oak door. So I reasoned to myself, okay, I come, I crouch in the corner in the stairwell, and I pull the door closed so it gives me an extra level of protection. And that's what I did. Now, am I, is this overkill? Was this tornado coming straight at the house? I have no idea. I have my earbuds on. I'm listening to emergency NOAA warnings. My wife is calling me freaking out because she's at home well away from the tornado. But she sees all over the news that tornado is coming right where her husband is cleaning a house. So I I tried to answer. I'm like, honey, I'll call you right back. I'm just getting safe from the tornado that's coming. <laughs> and I did crouch in that corner. I put all the blankets on top of me. I pulled the door shut. And I still kind of had a view, in a way, up the stairway. I could kind of peek out one of the windows, and I could see how dark it was getting. I mean, it's 2 in the afternoon, and it looked like the sun was going down to to midnight. It got so dark, and the winds were howling. And I've never been in a tornado. So if you're in the Midwest, this is an old hat to you. You're just laughing at me, some Northeasterner that's never been in a tornado. Now, this scared me good, and the hail started coming, and here's what I'm thinking. I'm like, am I going to start seeing cows floating in midair going moo, and fence posts, and my aunt and uncle saying, Dorothy, wait, that's the wrong movie. Oh, no, if it was Mrs. Gulch riding her bike, and then you start to see her little hat turn into a wicked witch hat, and you hear the sound, am I going to see this stuff? I don't know what to expect. I'm listening to the radio. Tornado coming. It's coming right to you, Ken the Cleaner. Dig in behind that door, you wimp. Well, maybe Noah didn't say that, but I swear I heard it. So what did I do? I just got myself into fetal position, blankets, pillows on me, and nothing's happening. I know it. This house could crash down around me, but I will survive in this pile of rubble. Amen. So that's when I finally called my wife because she was ringing off the hook. I said, okay, honey, I am okay. She says, where are you? What's going on? Well, I just saw Mrs. Gold's turn to the wizard to, to the wicked witch. But other than that, and the flying cow and my car, I saw that flying down the road. Other, no, I'm just kidding. This is a little bit of a creative license to uh, overindulge, but that's not exactly how it happened. I said, no, everything's fine. I found a really secure place, just like I learned in Royal Rangers with Kenny. It's in the corner stone all around me, big 200-pound oak door. I'm good, blanket. She's like, okay, good, good. And so she's plugged in, checking everything, watching the reports. And it was about 30 minutes of really scary time. And it did pass. And when it passed, the sky kind of came back to clear. And it was like it never happened. I was able to emerge out of that nook, went outside, and, oh, man, I mean, there there were some trees down, some power lines. There was lots of debris. I mean, not tons, but my car was still there. It wasn't dented. I mean, everything was okay. And come to find out that the tornado did touch down, like I mentioned earlier, about five miles away from this house, maybe four, but it was close enough that I caught the tail of it, and it must have passed close to where it really touched down. So I'm very thankful it didn't hit where I was. But I'm glad I also had a little bit of preparation. I knew where to go, and knowing is half the battle, as they say. So a little side note, too, on that is I was really scared. I did survive, but I will just mention this, that I'm so glad that I went to the bathroom prior to the tornado. Otherwise, there may have been another storm inside. Oops, too much information. All right, so these stories, I am clinging on to hope 
to somehow relate them to the message. And in today's message, I'm going to talk about outside the box. Now, this is such a cliche. Everyone says, hey, let's think outside the box. Hey, you, we should have our team think outside the box. Great. We all say that. It's a cliche. I didn't even want to title this that because I don't like cliches, so to speak. But in this case, it really does apply. So I'm going to share a story about my daughter and a friendly family game of giant Jenga. Now, the part that connects to the funny story is that when you play a game of Jenga, you may have to have a tornado hit to knock out one of the other teammates because they are really good and you're not. And so tornadoes, you know, or when the Tower of Jenga falls, it's like a tornado hit. So there's the connection. It's a loose thread, but let's pull on it. All right, let's go back to the story now of Giant Jenga. Okay, let me set the stage. These Jenga blocks, each one is about two-thirds the size of a two-by-four cross-section and approximately six inches long. So when we set this thing up, the tower was probably three feet tall. So it was already near the height of the youngest player, my son Kai, who's six, and then my son Colby, who's eight, my daughter Christiana, 12, my son Kenny, 15, then Teresa and I, over 15. (laughs) Just leave it there. So what's that? Four of my kids and myself and wife, that's six of us in in this game. Well, the, the rules, same rules apply. You can, you can really only pull blocks out of either the center location or on the sides. And you're not allowed to pull a block out of the layer or the layer below that's being built. And so we're going round and around, pulling block after block. And seemingly insurmountable odds of some of these things, some of these pulls that we did. And it's wobbling. And these are heavier blocks too. So it does tend to last longer. Now we get this sucker to the point where we made it. It's like five feet tall. The younger kids had to stand on a stinking stool to get the next piece out. And I would say eight to nine turns in a row, at least, we all thought the tower was going to fall. We were literally taking video of each one to see who was going to be the one to fall on and wanting to capture that. And you know when you get to the point where you've tested every single block and you've built it up as high as you can go and there literally is not another one you can pull. And so you're either going to pull it and have a 99% chance it falls or you possibly catch that 1% break. Well, this is the brink that my daughter Christiana was at. And she had tested every block three times until she realized there was nothing she could do. There was no available block. So she had one choice inside the box. Inside the box thinking she had one choice. She just needs to make her best attempt. Maybe she'll pull off the 1%, but she's got a 99% chance of failure. And so she's just going to go for it and hope she hits the 1%. That's what we all would do. She did something that I literally in my lifetime have never seen anyone this creative in the game of Jenga. She went about two-thirds of the way up the tower and she realized that she could. Now, she didn't know if it was within the rules of the game and we didn't know what she was doing. She took the top third of the tower. She lifted it in the air 
and she rotated it 90 degrees and it fit together like Tetris. So two rows became one. And then the row, the new row she just formed, she pushed at that center block. It came out and she put it on the top and sat down. We were in stunned silence. Can you do that? Hold on, hold on. Let's check the rules. Can you do that? And the agreement was this. That was so stinking creative. Yeah, let's play on. Christiana, I am so proud of you. That was incredible creativity. And in our mission statement as a family, we want to be the kind of family that inspires critical thought. We don't want our kids to grow up with, you do A, B, and C, and that's the way you do it, and that's the only way you do it. And here's how you do it, and everyone, you just follow the leader. We want to do like what Seth Godin teaches, who's one of my heroes. I love the stuff he writes. I listen to his material. I've met him in person. He says, if you can accomplish two things with kids, you will do well by them in life. Number one, teach them how to solve interesting problems. That's critical thinking. And teach them how to lead. And I said, okay, Seth, in this example, my daughter just used critical thinking to solve an interesting problem. And so the game went on, and she ended up not losing. Now, the, the, the blocks did fall on my son. He wasn't happy. But that game was so fun. We had a blast. And I took a movie, the recording of her doing that little shift, or little Tetris move. I posted it on Facebook that night, and I just wrote this. My daughter just did the most creative thing I've ever seen in Jenga. Can I please get a Django ruling on this move? And of course, people are responding with, wow, that is creative. Great job, Christiana. Other people was like, let me, I'll go check the Django rule book, etc. And it was friendly. It was fun. And then two comments came, one after another. And I literally want to read these. I'll keep them anonymous, but I want to read these to you. And I want you to hear them through the prism of what I shared about Seth Godin. I want my kids to grow up not as someone that just listens and follows every single rule. Not that dis- I don't want disobedience, but I, I want kids that are path builders, path makers, that they create their own way. Seth Godin calls them map, map makers. They're critically thinking. They are leaders. And so here's the two statements I got. One said, if you're not going to play by the rules, don't play the game. And the other one said this, she loved the -the out-of-the-box creative thinking and that she will go far in life. And then she went on to say, girl power. (laughs) Obviously, it was a female that wrote that. And it just got me really thinking. I was so thrilled that these comments literally came in side by side, back to back, showing the stark differences between the employee and the entrepreneur's mindset. Now, I have nothing against either. We personally are an entrepreneur family, but I was an employee. I was an engineer for GE for almost six years and I loved it, you know, for at least the first two years of it. And I have tons of friends that are employees. Please, if you're an employee, do not take this wrong. I'll just say that in my opinion, I believe that people are groomed from very young to listen and follow the rules 
first your parents tell you what to do and you, and you do it. Then your teachers tell you what to do and you do it. Then your coach tells you what to do and you do it. Then your professors in college tell you what to do and they do it. And then you get a job and, and your boss tells you what to do and you do it. There's not a lot of room for you to creatively experiment, make mistakes, learn from it, learn how to solve interesting problems and lead. We have a real leadership gap, leadership lack in this culture, I believe personally. And so here's what I'm thinking. Employees, I believe, are trained to follow the rules and stay inside the box, okay? Entrepreneurs are always stretching and redefining the new box. In an entrepreneur's mind, there is no box. So I could have easily called this not outside the box, but there is no box. Entrepreneurs, we are creative, curious, critical thinking to solve those difficult, interesting problems. I believe that's what's built the United States. I'm reading a great book with my son right now, my oldest son, Kenny. And we've been going through the ingenuity and all the creative inventions that Americans have done over the past century and a half. It's phenomenal. The overwhelming negative they went against to create these things. They got out of their box and they said, there is no box. I'm going to make my own path. They're map makers, and I love it. And after reading both those comments, I was so excited for my daughter's future because this is exactly what we train them in our entrepreneur thinking. So, Christiana, I'm so proud of you. You're 12, and you've already figured out there is no box, and you can make any map that you want. Great job. That was so creative with that Tetris game. I mean, Jenga game. And in my book, you won. I love you, honey. All right, that wraps up another episode of Solo Cleaning School and a little ode to my daughter. I only have one, so I gotta make her feel special. All right, have a fantastic day, everyone. Thank you for listening to Solo Cleaning School. Class is dismissed.